It's good to see everybody here today. Um, I enjoy getting a chance to see some new folks here today. If your first time is with us here today, it's just, it's really um, an honor to have you. It really is. Um, <clears throat> I hope that that uh, and I do, I'll just say I know God's going to do something for you in your life, even if it's just um, hearing the word of the Lord. But I'm going to ask you to take it a step further, okay? Today, Amen. I'm going to ask you to take it a step further because it's not just good enough to hear; we got to do it. All right. <clears throat> so I'm going to talk about that today, and uh, if you'll just uh, uh, bear with me, I want to get started, get the message going today. And um, worship team, you guys knocked it out of the park. Um, that last, yes, amen. <clears throat> that last song really just kind of just really dovetailed right into the word of God today. And so I'm so grateful for that. Um, my brothers and I were fortunate enough to grow up in a home <clears throat> where our mother worked part-time as an office manager. My father ran his own construction company, and they were both very, very hard workers and raised the three of us to work hard, and um, um, at least two of us are doing it. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm out of work, so you can guess who, who's not, but... Um, I'm so grateful, so grateful for that now that they raised us that way. I wasn't as grateful on Saturday mornings, you know, when um, we at least got breakfast, but then before we could go out like everybody else and enjoy the weekend, we had our chores. We had the chores that dad had already kind of, either he had already decided we were going to do or just maybe spontaneously decided uh, he wanted us to do it. And uh, that was fun. <clears throat> But we didn't do anything until we kind of completed those things. And that usually always included washing his car and often waxing it. Now, he liked to keep good care of his things. So that's what we did just about every Saturday, uh, oftentimes included. Many probably can agree with this, mowing and weeding the yards and trimming the bushes and all that kind of stuff, cleaning the garage or the basement. And every week, every single week, we were in charge of uh, dusting the entire house. Uh, one of us, we took rotations or, um, uh, you know, I was, I'm quite a bit younger, quite a bit younger than my oldest brother. <clears throat> and, uh, <laughs> and he, um, is here today. Uh, so he had to do this when he was younger, but by the time I was old enough to do it, he was moved on to working. And, uh, so anyway, I never did get to see him do that. I just wanted to see him dust a couple times, but anyway, <clears throat> Just teasing, he worked hard. And then uh, every day, every day, uh, Dan, we, we made the beds. And it wasn't just our beds, we made our parents' bed as well. Um, it was uh, not, and so I'm not just talking about making the bed, you know. I'm talking about where my dad would oftentimes say, can a quarter bounce off? Now, he wasn't, he was joking, okay. But he wanted us to do it right. He wanted us to do the bed and make the bed right. 
And um, so if, if the bed wasn't made right, there were um, just, or even if the bed, I should say, if the beds weren't made, there were consequences to pay. <clears throat> and he would make us, Dan, he would make us go into timeout. <laughs> uh, he counted one, two, three. No, uh, that's not how it went, I promise you. But living in a home where food and clothing came from <clears throat> a construction business owner, we learned just through daily conversations about dad's jobs and the construction that was going on, what was happening with construction. And my, my, old, my older brother, Stan, <clears throat> uh, started working for my dad even before he could drive. And now uh, he owns the business that my dad started, and God has, has richly blessed him. In fact, when we moved into this building, had nothing but you know concrete floors and four walls, and uh, we had several volunteers that came to help. But Stan sent his entire crew over here and, and sort of, well, decked it out for us. And so um, really cool, really enjoyed the, the fruits of his labor, uh, if you will. And then, of course, with the preschool, he led the construction effort there, and we had a bunch of talented guys who had come from the church, knocked down the walls, built some up, and... And then they had the, they built this, uh, this awesome shed that often people call our condo in the back here, <clears throat> big old thing. And uh, not only did he do that, not only did he send his crew over to work on it, but he donated several thousands of dollars just to make that happen. And so I just want to give honor to whom honor is due uh, today. Um, uh, on behalf of me and the bridge, you know, thank you, Stan, for doing that um, and his workers. <clears throat> Yes, he's got a he's got a, a heart of gold, um, um, but um, he too learned, of course, uh, so much from growing up in the home of a contractor. I'll never forget the summers working for my dad, pouring concrete in 100 degree weather, and uh, these guys that do this. I, I just don't know how they do that in this kind of weather every day, in and out, uh, building in ground pools, uh, tearing off on uh, tearing off three sheets of a shingles off of a, of a roof and then tearing the roof off the house and adding a second story. Uh, that's something that we did while I was on um, duty there uh, working in the summer. Um, I'll never forget tearing off that roof. Um, just as a novice construction kid, if you will, I had no idea what I was doing. My dad asked me to go up on the roof after they had torn it off and everything. And so I climbed up on the ladder and didn't realize that you couldn't step on the ceiling, that you had to step on the joist. So I stepped on the ceiling, and uh, I went straight through, and my arms like this caught the rafters, and my legs were dangling down, and I looked down, and there's this old lady just right below me, sitting in a chair, uh, freaking out. <clears throat> so I learned the hard way on that one, uh, trust me. Uh, but living in a home um, that I did, I, I learned certainly knew what a foundation was and the purpose for it. And I knew a house, if it was going to stand for long, needs a foundation. A foundation is important for really anything that you build. Um, as husband and wife, you build your life, you build your, your family, but you don't want to build a family where your kids in their young adult lives are trying to recover from your childhood, or from their childhood, I should say. 
They need to be able to focus on just kind of growing up and learning and, and living their best life. And when you raise children pop properly, you give them the advantage that maybe, maybe you didn't have. <clears throat> and, and some of you are here today, you're, you'll be the first generation in your family tree, so to speak, to have a godly family, a godly family. Some people have four and five generations that have gone on before them of godly families, and that, that's awesome. I love that. But for most of you here, that's just not what you've had. And when God called me to launch this church, the Bridge Church, uh, it was for families just like you that didn't have that. I promise you that was our purpose <clears throat> so I want to teach you today. I want to teach you how to have a godly family, to build a family that will last, that will stand through the difficulties this world brings, a loving, honest, and safe, godly family. And I want to turn to Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27, and this is where the rest of my message is going to come from is this passage. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain descended, the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. I want to emphasize here that this is Jesus talking. This is the, the red-letter part of your, of your Bible. And Jesus is making promises here that I want to dive into today. <clears throat> Um, has anyone here ever made a promise to somebody that they didn't keep? Oh, man, we got about seven or eight that are honest, nine, ten. Yeah, okay, I'll raise my hand. I, I have. I've done that before. Not happy about it, not proud of it, but I did it. Uh, well, Jesus here in this passage, in this scripture that we're going to talk about today is making a promise here. Uh, and everything, listen, everything Jesus says, you can take to the bank, all right? It's not like if I'm giving you a promise. I did confess, but I try to keep my promises these days, but it's not like Jesus giving you a promise. He's giving you a promise today. In fact, there are three promises, one might say implied in this, in this uh, scripture text that Jesus is making to you, and for your sake, I'm going to ask you if you would just listen to these promises, the first one is that Jesus promises serious difficulties, listen to me, in all of our lives, in all of our lives. Because regardless of your position, if you're the rock person or the sand person, it's a promise that you still will encounter the rain. You're still going to encounter floods and, and the wind. <clears throat> That's a promise to all of us. You will face difficulty in your life. Can you imagine someone telling you about the new house that they're building? They went, they went with the two-story option, Joe. 
uh, you know, four bedrooms, uh, a, a giant master suite, uh, the enormous, you know, open concept that everybody likes, a huge kitchen. And then they say, well, we were able to also save quite a bit of money because we took the option without a foundation. And I hear the laughter because that's foolish, right? No, that's just foolish. Uh, listen, to build a house with, listen, to build a house without a foundation, you've, you have to completely reject reality. Completely, because there's going to be rain. There's going to be some flooding. There's going to be strong winds and tornadoes and hail if you live around here. You talk about somebody who's lost their mind to do something like that. But why, why in the world would someone try to build their life, try to build their family without a sure foundation, without, without Jesus Christ, without the word of God that we were talking about? Why? Let me tell you why. It's because they've completely rejected spiritual reality. Because reality is the enemy of your soul, the devil, is going to try and destroy your life. <clears throat> that you can count on as well. The devil, listen to me closely, not fun, but he hates you. The devil hates you. He, it gives him pleasure to see you suffer. It gives him pleasure when he sees people heading towards hell. That gives him pleasure. Sick. In John chapter 10, verse 10, this is what Jesus says. He only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. None of that is fun. In 1 Peter Chapter 5, verse 8, it says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Jesus said the word destroy, and Peter says the word devour. You know, the devil wants to destroy and to devour you and your family. <clears throat> He's prowling around your marriage. He's... He's, he's, he's seeking your children. He's seeking your family, your, your health, your finances, your reputation. He'll attack everything precious in your life. And if you don't believe that, I'm, I'm here to virtually shake you today in hopes that I wake you up because you're not living in reality. Listen, he's attacked my marriage. He's attacked my children. He's attacked my family, he's, he's attacked my health. But, but I'm gonna tell you something, come what way, what may, we're, we're standing on the rock today. We're standing on his word. We're standing on Jesus Christ. Uh, you see, uh, it, it's a promise from Jesus. We're not, we're not better, we're, we're, we're not smarter, we're not special. It, it, it's, it's for anyone who hears the word of God, listen to me, and obeys it, and obeys it. And that's the second promise that I want to talk to you about today. In this text that we, that we read to you, Jesus promises success. Everybody said amen to that. Amen. He promises success for those, listen to me, who obey his word. Yes, the rain still comes. The floods still come. But your house will stand. <clears throat> because it's built on 
a sure foundation. In this text, Jesus refers to his word as a sure foundation. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, he says that the word of God is the sword of the spirit. Is the sword of the spirit. I don't know about you, but you don't pick up a sword or any other weapon unless you're planning on using it, right? In other words, you fight the enemy of your life with the word of God, with the word. Jesus Christ did it. Why shouldn't we have to do that? In, in Psalm 119, it's just chuck full of text about the word of God is the lamp unto our feet. It's my light in the darkness. It's my refuge. It's my shield to protect me from the enemy. And when you build your life, when you build your family on the word of God, you're invincible. You're invincible. The devil can't beat you when you're living your life based on the word of God. <clears throat> Listen, he shouldn't be, <clears throat> or we shouldn't be afraid of the devil the devil should be afraid of you. You're, you're, you're building on a sure foundation. You, you've got the sword of the spirit. <clears throat> but listen, it's the devil's best, in the devil's best interest that you don't believe what I'm teaching you here today. He's counting on you not believing me today. He's counting on you walking out of here and doing what you did last Sunday, doing what you did the, the weekend before that, and out of sight, out of mind, and on to deal with the mess that he's about to plan for you this week. And as a result, you don't follow through and actually obey, listen to me, obey his word today. He's out to destroy you. He wants to destroy everything that's precious to you in your life. He wants to mess with every good ambition, every good dream, and he wants to turn that dream right into a nightmare. He's on the prowl, checking you out, circling your family, hungry to devour, looking for easy prey, looking for a family with an unsure foundation, looking for families that are built on the sand. And if you haven't built your life, built your family on the rock, on Jesus, on his word, there's not, listen to me, there's not even a fight involved there without Jesus. You're, you're, what you're doing there without him and without a foundation of the word is you're giving him permission to just have at it to my family. You're giving him an, a season pass. You're, you've welcomed the enemy. It's like my casa, your casa, you know? Make yourself at home. And I'm gonna tell you something, he will. He will. But God promises victory that, that you win, that you win if you build your family on him and on his word, the third promise today here. And this third promise in this text is kind of the flip of, of the one we just talked about. Instead of success, this is an odd promise, okay, that you would hear, you'd think you wouldn't hear from Jesus. But this is the promise. Jesus promises failure. He promises failure. He promises failure to those who don't obey his word. He promises it. You can look in the scripture that I just read. It says, those that, that hear my words but don't do them, it's a great fall. It's devastation, a family devastation. In pastoring, guys, too often I hear stories of devastation. And every time, every time they know better, they've heard God, they've heard God's word and they're playing games with God. Their family is headed towards disaster. It's like they're floating down the river and just, oh, so comfortable and relaxing, but they don't realize just downstream is Niagara Falls. 
They say things like, I, I believe in God. I believe in the Bible, but, but. I, I know this, I know when I came to this church, our, our lives were a mess, our families, I know this church saved my family, but, but. You see, what happens over time <laughs> is you grow a big butt. <laughs> that was not even in my notes, I promise. I know what the Bible says, but I, I know God is good, but, but how could he let something like that happen to me? And, and while, while you're playing mind games with God, you see the enemy, he's prowling. That's when all of a sudden you've opened the door and, and he's circling around your family. Uh, please, guys, please pay attention to what I'm about to say. It's not good enough. It's not good enough to come to church. Spend an hour here at church. It's not good enough. It's not good enough to come to church to socialize for a little bit and then go home. It, it's, not, it's not, listen to me really closely, it's not even good enough to come to church just to listen to God's word. Look at the scripture that we've, we, one more time today that, that we read here. Something really stood out to me in my study this time that had never stood out before. You see both parties, both the one whose house stood and the one whose house fell, and it was a great fall, both of them, listen to me, both of them heard the word of God. The difference maker, guys, the difference maker is obeying the words of God, is following Jesus. You see it right there in Matthew chapter 7. They both hear one does and one doesn't do. People who find themselves being devoured, being destroyed, often know what the Bible says. They hear it. They come to church and they hear it. They, they, they've heard the word of God. They just start playing around. It's just like, you know, they, don't, they, they lose that first, I'll call it that first love. I think the song was talking a little bit about that. And, and, and they just start playing games like Eve did, you know. Uh, she knew uh, not to eat of the tree, but, but she, if she knows not to eat of the tree, why does she go near the tree to begin with? Why is she tempting? Why is she playing the game? Those girls, man. <laughs> but she goes near and she, she, she's messing around. She's playing the game. She knew, she knew the word of God. <clears throat> I, I hear what you're saying, God. Would you really kill us if we ate of this stuff? We, we start justifying things, you know, to ourselves. But, but what kind of God would do something like that? And she disobeys God's word. And I'm telling you, it's the same for us. We hear his word every single weekend, and then we start messing around. I believe God's word, but I just, man, for the life of me, I just can't forgive him. I believe God's word, but, well, everybody's doing it. I mean, pastor, that's old-fashioned. I mean, everybody does that now. I, I believe God's word, but I, I think he'd want me to be happy, don't you? I mean, what God wouldn't want you to be happy? I believe God's word, but I was, I was born this way. And we try to justify our, our disobedience to God's 
word. Listen to me today. Stand strong. Stand strong. In your workplace, in your school, stand strong. We, we should be saying, you know what? I believe God's word and, and, and not but, but and because of that, I'm gonna reject my sinful ways. I believe God's word, and because of that, I'm going to repent. I'm going to get away from those friends that take me down that path, the habits and the addiction that that are leading me to destruction. I believe God's word and see reality that in obeying God's word, my family will stand. That's reality. Listen to this promise, guys. Jesus promises failure if we don't obey his word. Now, why is it? that people build on the sand to begin with. Why do they do that? And I'm going to tell you the first reason why is because, well, sand's much more comfortable. (laughs) It's been a while since Crystal and I have been to the beach. And honestly, it sounds really good right now. It's... uh, it's awesome to walk out on the beach, isn't it? And to kind of feel the sand between your toes and just kind of like, um, you know, enjoy that, that just, oh, just barefooted. And I, I love it. It's so comfortable. And listen, I want to tell you something. It's awesome to live in sin, too. <laughs> Pastor, what are you saying? It's, yeah, it's easy to live in sin. It's, it's, uh, it's comfortable in sin. Until devastation hits. Honestly, sin often feels good, but I don't care much for the end result of it. It says in the Bible that the wages of sin are what? Death. But it's very comfortable. Very comfortable. The sand is also way more popular. Way more popular. When you go to the beach, I have yet to see people laying on the rock. You know, they're uh, they're laying out on the beach. In our world today, the people laying on the beach are harassing those that are laying on the rock. Listen, things are changing fast around in this world. You're not gonna be popular in our culture if you're going to be a Bible-believing Christian. And then finally, on the sand part of it, sand's more conformable. It's more conformable. You can go lay out on the beach, and you know when you get back up, you can see your imprint, or you can do the angel thing or whatever, and you can see that on, on, the, on the beach. You see, what happens is it forms like you, but when you lay on the rock... You look like the rock. <laughs> you see, Jesus won't conform to what we want him to be like. No, his, in fact, his word says, I am the potter, you are the clay. Doesn't it? I don't form him, it's up to us to let him form us. And Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, it says, For I am the Lord, I change not. He won't change for you or nobody else. We, we can accept him for who he is or reject him. That's it. Accept him or reject him. In our church culture today, um, I said church culture, we have custom 
made Christianity. You know, take what you want, leave what you want, believe what you want, don't believe what you want, and I'm still a Christian in spite of all my sinful lifestyle. Listen to me, that's not how it works. Um, he, he doesn't conform to me, I conform to him. Okay? I know that's hard. I know that's hard. But that's what people love about the saying. They love this custom-made Christianity, custom-made religion, anything I want, when I want it. And, and the sand is comfortable, it's popular, and, and it's conformable, but, but not the rock. Not the rock. The rock's kind of hard. So, sometimes it's very, very difficult. And difficult, guys, in this culture today rubs us the wrong way because everything is so convenient to us. It just rubs us the wrong way especially in today's modern world. It's definitely not popular. It doesn't conform to me, that's for sure. But let me say this. When the storms of life come, it's the most peaceful place on earth that you can be. And when you build your family on the rock, listen to me, it will not fall. It will not fall. Your family will stand your marriage will stand. Everything that you build on the rock, your finances, your children, everything stands. Everything stands strong. Yes, sometimes it's harder, but in the long run, it's the only place to build your life. It's the only place to build your family. So how in the world do you build your life to build your family so it will stand? How do you do that? When the difficulties of life come, and, and they will come, some of you feel the light wind blowing now in your life. And there are some that are here today under the sound of my voice that it feels like you're in the middle of 100 mile an hour straight line winds. So this is your chance. I'm gonna give you some practical ways to obey his word when you walk out of here. You'll have some to-dos, if you will. So let God's word help you today. Here's some important things that you can do. I'm just gonna go through them pretty quickly to build a sure foundation for your family that will withstand the storms that, that life throws us all. The first one is that we need to surrender. You need to surrender your family to Jesus as master. What do I mean? If in your family there's one spouse or the other that it's their way or the highway. If, if you're a dominant person and you're dominating your family and the main thing in your family is for you to get your way, you have taken Jesus' place in your family. Your family is not submitted over to Jesus Christ as master. The boss of your family must be Jesus Christ. Must be. As long as both of you are submitted to Jesus first, you should make every significant, maybe even every decision together. You shouldn't dominate each other. You shouldn't bully each other. You shouldn't uh, 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 intimidate one another. You, you shouldn't make the other pay if they open up and share something from their heart with you, even if you don't like it. You should talk and you should pray until you make a decision. Make every decision while fully submitted to Jesus as your master in a family. 
Because if one of us is dominating over the other, then Jesus isn't the Lord of your marriage. He's not leading your family. Make sure you let everyone in your family know when you go home today, from now on, we surrender our family to Jesus and him only. He is now Lord over our family, and together we will seek him, together. Secondly, as the parents, we've talked a little bit about this, but obey Jesus. For your spouse's sake, for your family and for your kids' sake, be willing to do the hard and the unpopular things that Jesus says for us to do. That's how you know that you're building on the rock. Some things are hard. Some things are hard. See, the sand people don't do it because it's hard. He says, you ought to forgive that person. And you say, man, I can't do that. That's too hard. That's too hard. Listen, part of being a Christian is doing things that are hard, that other people, listen to me, that everybody else that everybody else don't do. You talk about hard. Don't you think it was hard for Jesus Christ to surrender his body and let him nail him to the cross and then turn around and, and forgive the ones that put him up there? And no one, no one, no one's done anything close to that to us to what they did to Jesus. If Jesus forgives those people that crucified him, surely we can forgive anybody who's got anything that you've got anything against or has done to you. Jesus says, you need to treat your wife right. Well, it's, it's just too hard. You, you, you just don't know everything she's done. Listen, <laughs> living with you probably ain't easy either. Our foundation, our families depend on our obedience to Jesus and his word. He says in his word, love your husband. Love him in spite of his faults. Forsake not the assembling together. This is what he's telling us to do, obey him. Forsake not the assembling together. That means come to church, worship, worship the Lord, pray. He says to obey him. He says, tithe to the church. Lay your, fi- your finances on the foundation of God's word today. Continue to stand for God, even when people criticize you for standing for him. Don't cave in the middle you know, of this ungodly culture that we live in. Stand for Jesus. Stand on the rock. And you're thinking, well, that's, that's hard, and that's right. It is hard. When you have the rock underneath you, sometimes it's hard But whenever bad times come, you'll be thanking God something hard is underneath you. A godly life is built doing the hard thing, doing the right thing. And that's where an an easy life comes from. Doesn't peace come from successful warfare? And that ain't fun. Do what Jesus says. Be diligent in building your life on his word. And whenever everyone else's life is falling apart, yours is just peaceful. And when everybody you know, else is losing, you're gaining. Uh, but build your life on the word of God. And yes, sometimes it means doing the hard thing like staying in the marriage when you don't feel like it. 
Sometimes it means telling the truth, regardless of how that looks upon you. Sometimes that's, that's like you have to do, to do the right thing, even when you don't feel like doing the right thing. To build a sure and solid foundation, here's another thing to do. You need to remember your actions impact future generations. Don't be so self-centered and short-sighted. Think about the generational effects of your behavior today. In Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Sometimes we look back at previous generations' actions, like in our family tree, etc., and think, surely they didn't understand the devastation that that would cause for our generation. Surely they didn't think through that. Let me ask you a question today. Are your children going to have to recover from you? I hope your parents, you parents are letting that sink in just a little bit. Are you going to have to, are they going to have to go to therapy in their 20s and 30s to recover from what you're doing to them now? Or are they going to be blessed by you? A righteous man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Everything I do is affecting my great-grandchildren. Every single thing that I do is affecting them today. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 9, it says, I will bring the curse of a father's sins upon every, or even the third and fourth generation of the, of the children. Everything that I do, right or wrong, is affecting generations in my family. It's affecting Roman and it's affecting Roman's children, and it's affecting their children. The things that I do right now, the things that I'm doing, the decisions that I'm making right now. As the worship team comes, if they, oh, they're here. What are future generations, and I want you to think about this for a minute. What are future generations going to say about you? They're sitting around the table having something that you probably were famous at cooking. What are they going to be saying about you? <clears throat> are they going to be referring to you as the person who devastated the family? Or are they going to be going and sitting there, man, this blessing that we have today came from my mom and dad came from my grandfather, my grandmother. They loved me. They raised me the right way. They sacrificed for us. Remember, it wasn't always easy. Sometimes it was hard. For your sake, guys, and theirs, will you be a godly person? Will you be a parent that ends up blessing your children and your grandchildren? If so, in this culture that we live in today, I'm going to tell you something. You'll need to be intentional about that. It just doesn't happen. You'll have to make some unpopular decisions in your family. I'm not going to spoil them, but I'm going to, I'm going to love them and be a godly example. 
And finally today, as we all stand. Keep, keep your family coming to church where they can be grounded spiritually, held accountable. They can build strong relationships. The most impactful and most important thing that Crystal and I ever did as parents was to raise our two boys in the church. Bar none. Bar none. Don't build a one-generational family that your, your kids reject and have to recover from. Some of you know that life too well. You've lived it. Change that for your family. Build a godly family that will last for generations. And generations from now, the blessing from your life, the blessing from your love, the blessings from your sacrifice will still be blessing them. It will still be blessing them. It'll still be blessing them. It'll still be blessing them. I'm asking you to not just hear his word today. I'm asking you to obey it and obey his word right now today.